Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians where Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have learned while we were memorizing the Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. This podcast is intended for medical professionals. The information is to be used in the context of your own clinical judgment, and those on this podcast accept no liability for the outcomes of medical decisions based on this information. As the radiologists like to say, clinical correlation is required. This is not medical advice, and even though the magic of podcasting may make it seem like we're speaking directly in your ears, this does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. If you have a medical problem, seek medical attention. On today's episode, we speak to orthopedic spine surgeon Dr. Seth Grossman about neck and back injuries, when to worry, when not to worry, and why we should all be doing yoga, Pilates, and once a day, get on our bellies and try to fly like Superman. Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. On today's episode, we have Dr. Seth Grossman, a spine surgeon in New York and New Jersey. Seth, thanks a lot for speaking with us today and helping to, as you put it, demystify the spine. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Could you just give us a little background on your training? Sure. So I went to medical school down in Philadelphia at Jefferson Medical College, which is now Sidney Kimmel Medical College. Um, after that, actually before that, I did, uh, I did some, some graduate work in, uh, in computer engineering, uh, then made a little change in, uh, in, in career. So I went to medical school down at Jefferson and then I did my training at, uh, Albert Einstein Medical College Montefiore Medical Center, uh, in the Bronx. And then I did, uh, fellowship training in, uh, spine surgery at University of California in San Diego. And since then I've been, again, I'm in private practice now. I'm in a group, uh, we have offices, uh, in uh, Bergen County in North Jersey, and then also in the city, a few, few locations in the city. New York City. New York City, yeah. This, this podcast is international, so uh, oh, okay. our, our, our audience is, is broad. Um, so, um, so, Seth, you were going to talk to us about demystifying the spine. And so uh, what are some of the things that you think all doctors, whether they treat related conditions, whether they're referring physicians like primary care physicians or ER doctors, or treat things that are completely unrelated, um, what should all doctors uh, know about the spine? And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're, because in, in New York and New Jersey here, we can get a lot of snow. Your neighbor, your neighbor is shoveling his driveway or her driveway and throws out his back, you know, whatever that means to me, an otolaryngologist, probably means something very different to you. And he, he, he says, hey, Doc, hey, Doc, because, you know, everybody calls us Doc if they can't remember our name. Hey, Doc, I just, I just hurt my back. What do I do? So what do I ask him to make sure that it's not a medical emergency? And uh, should it not be, what do I tell him? Right. So it's a good question. So back pain in general is, is extremely common. It's one of the most common reasons for loss of work in the United States. It's one of the most common uh, disabilities people have to miss work. Um, and pretty much everybody at one point or another is going to throw out their, their neck or their back. So um, something I see a lot in my office, something that, you know, I, I hear, you know, people, my neighbors and such. So it's a very common occurrence. And most of the time, vast majority of the time, you know, patients are going to be fine. Most of the time it's reassurance. 
um, throughout your back, you got to rest it, you know, ice, you know, basically just kind of taking it easy for a few days, maybe taking some NSAIDs and, and that's, you know, 90% of the time patients will get better and um, within a period of time. So red flags that you want to always, uh, you know, look for is, is any kind of weakness or numbness. So just in general, the spine as an orthopedist, uh, really any, in any specialties is a joint, you know, it's a series of joints in your back, just like, you know, your neck and your back, just like, just like a knee or a shoulder. So you can pull it, you can strain it. There are muscles and ligaments and tendons that can get injured and they heal much like any other joint, you know, they rest ice, you know, wrapping it, that kind of thing, babying it. Um, the added complexity in terms of the spine is that there, there are major nerves that run through that joint. So if something were to dislodge or press on a nerve, you know, that can be dangerous in that you can damage that nerve. And nerves, you know, depending on how badly that they're damaged or how much pressure is on the nerve, not, may not necessarily heal. So you can end up, God forbid, with, with neurologic dysfunction, which can be permanent. So that's where um, I think everyone, you know, people get a little bit concerned, a little bit overcautious with the spine. So anyone who's complaining of a neurologic type of a symptom, that in my mind and, you know, in any doctor's mind should be a red flag. So doc, I pulled out my back. It's killing me. It's throbbing. My pain is 10 out of 10. I can barely walk. That's not an uncommon complaint and that I see every day in my office. And again, I would say up to, you know, 90% of those patients are, are fine within a week, but you know, doc, I pulled out my back shoveling my snow, shoveling snow. And now I, you know, my, I, my foot is dragging and I can't feel my toes. Um, you know, is another sort of another added layer to that. And that, that may be something that um, is a little bit more serious. Okay. So numbness, tingling, weakness, does that warrant an immediate ER visit or can, should they follow up with you in the, in the office? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, certainly some that should be seen soon, um, whether or not it's an emergency, I guess would depend on that, the, you know, how bad the, the neurologic dysfunction is, but loss of function probably is the, is it, would you say that that's like a hard red line? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you can't lift your toes. That's really an emergency. You're, you have a little bit of tingling in your toes that, you know, may not necessarily be something that has to be, you know, evaluated in the emergency room, especially during a snowstorm. So sounds like the difference is sensory versus motor function. If it's motor function, it's an emergency. If it's sensory, um, then you can you know wait for uh, an office visit. Yeah, I would I would say generally. Obviously, that's that's a generalization, but but clearly depending on the degree. If it's a little bit of numbness, right. a little bit of tingling. If you can't feel your any of your toes or you know something, uh, but clearly right. again, as the radiologists like to say clinical correlation is required. Clinical correlation, exactly. And then again, you know, I'm sure everyone has heard the term called Aquinas syndrome, which is which is a very rare, but obviously saddle anesthesia, you know, bowel and bladder incontinence, anything like that, that happens soon after uh, an injury is also, you know, that's, that's an immediate, you know, trip to the emergency room. Um, I will sort of preface that in that, you know, patient hurts his back, also has a little bit of prosthetic you know, prostate issues and has urinary retention that's been ongoing for, you know, 10 years and he takes medication for it, doesn't, it's not necessarily a called Aquinas syndrome. And I think that we, we're very quick to, to jump to that. So loss of bowel and bladder, basically where you can't, can't feel or control your, 
your uh, bowel and bladder movements, that's an emergency. Having yeah. chronic issues, constipation, you know, uh, urinary retention is not is not a call to point. If these things far preceded the injury, then they're probably unrelated to the injury. They're probably unrelated, and it's probably not an emergency. An emergency, or and even if it was related, it's it's not. The fact that right, it's right. long history speaks to the lack of urgency. Okay, so let's actually get back. Let's get away from the urgent ones because those are the ones that that are going to be managed by you. Um, what about the ones that aren't urgent? So you you said, well, a few days of rest, baby it for a little, some NSAIDs. Um, what are do you are you more specific than that? with your patients you know do you do you tell them more specific instructions three days five days a week wait until it feels better or is the data not just out there and so you know i i sometimes have trouble with this in my practice like people are sometimes looking for a specific answer like a week right, right. if i don't feel better from my sinus infection in a week is it is it you know does it mean that the antibiotics aren't working or in three days, like they're looking for something hard and fast. And the fact of the matter is if you're going to be giving someone a hard and fast number, you're going to be kind of making it up or are there recommendations? Right. Right. Um, right. That's a very good question. So, I mean, there are recommendations in terms of, you know, the radiologic societies or the peak sites have released uh, guidelines in terms of when you should say order an MRI um, get you know get X-rays you know to do advanced testing and and to be honest with you in today's day and age especially where we are in the New York you know New Jersey area I feel like patients um, you know pretty much demanding an MRI you know minute one when they when they walk into your office so um, you know in terms of managing it again even if it is, you know I tell patients that you know you pulled your back out. It's probably a muscle sprain, but even if it is a herniated disc, which can be more serious, even that is going to get better with time and not necessarily need any kind of intervention. So I generally try to, you know, I, I give patients either a course of, uh, of NSAIDs or even, a, or even steroids um, for a week. And I have them tell them to come back and, you know, rest, you know, if they're, if they're working, I give them a work note, especially if they do some you know, manual labor. And I say within a week, if they're not much better, then we can go ahead and start ordering up tests and, and doing interventions and that kind of thing. So uh, roughly, uh, you know, I basically say a week. I don't know that that's an evidence-based recommendation, but you, know, you got to give it a few days. Everybody's a little different, but typically, you know, most of these spasms and sprains will at least be 50% better, if not more in a week. And so does it improve outcomes to rest if it's hurting or should they actually start to push their, like, will they recover faster if they actually push their limits? Like where's, where, what I'm asking is where is that inflection point? Not necessarily time-wise, but time or symptomatically or like, you know, right. they shouldn't lay on the couch until it feels a hundred percent better. Right. So right. at least. Where do you believe that? In at, at what point? Right. Sure. So, I mean, I, I think if we extrapolate this out to a year, right, I think all patients are going to pretty much be better at that point, whether they rested it for two weeks or four weeks. Or um, I, I personally, you know, I, I definitely push, uh, you know, physical you know, stretches, walking, you know, physical therapy. Definitely, I, you know, I think has a certainly in the short term, definitely has a has a, has a great effect. It can really can really help. Um, but in the really immediate, you know, doc, I just threw my back out shoveling snow. You, there is a time where I tell patients really just, just rest. 
you don't need to be lying in bed 24 hours a day to the point where you're going to get a blood clot or something like that. But, you know, really just stay off your feet, try to, you know, ice it, minimize your, your, any kind of bending, lifting and twisting for at least a few days. And again, after that, then you can, you know, you start to go do some stretches or see a therapist, have a massage, something along those lines to try to get the muscle, get the, get the blood flowing to the muscles a little bit, try to move a little bit before, you know, stiffness and, and sets in. And is it, is it any different for a neck injury or you're saying this is not just lower back, this is the entire spine? Yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, my, my, my advice is pretty much the same for the entire spine. Um, you know, the neck can be a little more acute, you know, the spinal cord to get technical, you know, runs down your, your cervical and thoracic spine and it ends around the top of your lumbar spine. So most of the time you have a disc herniation, even a, a pinched nerve, a radiculopathy, it's, it's a nerve root, which is a little bit more tolerant of, um, pressure and, and perturbation than, than, the, than the spinal cord itself. So if you have an injury where this, you have pressure on the spinal cord, that, that also can, um, that can be a little bit more acute. But in general, uh, you know, just shoveling snow or sleeping wrong or, you know, minor trauma, you're, you're, you're unlikely to have a major, um, you know, event where you're having, you know, acute compression of your spinal cord. Now, have you, just a little aside, uh, there's this text neck phenomenon. Have you seen this at all? Sure. Um, I think that's just, you know, this text neck is, is just in the greater scope of, of 21st century living. So we spend our days on the computer, we're, we're on our, our phones in between, we're basically always looking down. And also as we age, our disc degenerates. So you, your, your whole, you know, you, basically you're kyphosing your whole, your whole body is, is being pulled forward. Um, and, um, yeah, it's definitely a problem. And it's, you know, I, 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 uh, talk to my patients about doing strengthening post, specifically their posterior chain. So their extensor muscles, um, you know, working on flexibility, but specifically with extension type activities, because we tend to lose that naturally with age, but even more so now in today's society where, well, you know, our whole life is spent kind of crouched over something. Can you give some examples of that? It, that sounds like something that is, is really great advice for human beings in general. And again, kind of the idea behind this podcast, right? What what are the things that every doctor should know? That sounds like something every doctor should know. So what are some good exercises that uh, that we should maybe... That, that can help. Yeah. So so anything where... Um, one thing that I tell a lot of patients is to, to do like a Superman, where basically if you, you know, if you get a mat, you put it on the ground, you lie on your stomach and you put your arms out like you're flying, like you're Superman. And then you basically want to work on extending and lifting, you know, reaching your arms and your legs out and up as high as you can and holding that for five seconds, 10 seconds, or, you know, doing, or doing, you know, um, doing sets of that where you're basically working on it, on strengthening your extensors. Um, that's a really good one to do at home. If you have access to a gym, I mean, they have these, these, uh, machines, you know, these boot ham developer machines where you can go and you can, you can also work on extension of your back, of your neck, that kind of thing. So, um, the Superman's a good one. You can also do it, you know, if you're, if you, if you have a, an exercise ball, you can work on kind of, if you lean over the exercise ball with the exercise ball in your stomach and you're working on extending your, your arms and your legs, you know, that kind of thing, I think it's, uh, uh, can be beneficial. So as a, as a spine specialist, when you are meeting with your patients and working on your electronic medical record, 
Are you sitting on one of those balls? <laughs> I wish. No, it's not. Unfortunately, the, the Googleization of, has not happened in medicine. There are no foosball tables or uh, you know, beer dispensers in the, in the office, unfortunately. But, uh, but I do tell patients, so, so another thing to expand upon, uh, on top of just the, the Superman activities, is, is yoga and Pilates. Um, I tell everybody, I do it myself, I try, and I tell all my patients to, you know, you don't need to go to expensive, you don't need to spend a lot of money, you can go on YouTube and just type in yoga exercises for your back, just basic, the basic yoga poses like downward dog, cobra, you know, cat cow, I don't know how many yogis are out there, but th those are great um, exercises for your back, and they all work on, you know, flexibility, spine flexibility and extension, so, um, so I think it's, it, it, it's very beneficial. I think the classes also, um, in terms of habit formation, right? I think I think um, going to those classes gives you a sense of accountability because you meet the other people there, and oh, wait, hey, where were you last week? So it gets you to keep going, and and then there's a sense of community uh, as well. Which oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. If you can if you can get, incorporate that as part of your life and go a couple of days a week, I, I think that you see a dramatic improvement, uh, especially in patients with chronic pain you know, chronic, uh, um, you know, issues, kyphosis of their back and neck, it certainly can be huge. But even if they can't, you know, some patients don't have the time or the means, even putting on a video for half an hour, once or twice a week. But but definitely, if you can join a, a group and go to a class on a regular basis, um, I think patients would see dramatic improvements. So it's rare to see, to be honest with you. Most of my patients, you know, I tell them, but, you know, it's, it's hard in today's life to, to, to make time. Yeah, I, I hope to incorporate that into the podcast at some point and, and get some of these experts on habit development in here so that when we do give it advice to our patients, it can be in a way that is realistic where we can expect them, you know, it is a realistic expectation that they will take the advice because we want them to do all of these things, but how can we get them to do it is the challenge, right? We all want them to eat better and exercise more and sleep more and have less stress. And um, so, but, right. what, but how do we actually get them to do it? You know, there's this pervading idea that, that we are not um, holistic, right? Like, right. We have a sick care system more exactly, than a healthcare system. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, well put. And so it sounds to me, if you're recommending these things, for your patients that you are um, a holistic doctor to me because you are considering the whole patient and not just the one injury that you happen to be seeing them for. So, yeah, yeah no, definitely. You know, it's hard as a physician as well when you're, you know, pushed to see more patients and, and you have X amount of time with these patients and, you know, it's, it's enough just to get the, the spine exam down. But I do try, you know, I see a lot of patients, you know, with, with metabolic syndrome that are obese, you know, and, and that's a lot of extra weight. You know, if you're, if you're 10, every pound of, of weight over your ideal body weight in, in the daily biomechanics of, of going through your life can be up to four pounds extra on your spine. So I tell patients, if you're 10 pounds overweight, it's like carrying a 40 pound backpack around. Imagine doing that all day, your back would hurt. And these patients, you know, you can do the math Some patients are, you know, pretty, pretty heavy. So I, I asked them, you know, do you, what do you, maybe you can, you know, try to cut out sugary drinks or try not eating after a certain time, small things, you know, it's hard to go on a radical crash diet and they, they have a high failure rate, but just being a little aware of how they can at least make some changes. 
And actually, in, a, in an upcoming episode, I'm going to be interviewing someone who specializes in obesity research, who will be talking to us about how we should be addressing that specific population. There was just a Huffington Post article going around, uh, around the, my physician friends on Facebook about how bad doctors are about talking about obesity. And, you know, I think with regards to that article, there's probably just a few standout callous individuals. I think most of us are saying things like you're saying, right? Like trying to give them some advice that is reasonable and not discouraging, right? Like, you know, maybe not eating after nine o'clock at night. That's a reasonable recommendation that, that, they, that, that is easier for them to stick to as opposed to like, don't eat carbs ever again, right? Like that's not- Yeah, or, you, know, you need to lose 50 pounds. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Exactly. And honestly, again, if you say it in the wrong way, you, you can certainly get uh, some, some poor online reviews exactly. for, as a result. But, there's, there's that but, um, but, you know, it, 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 I think if you say it in earnest and you're, you're somewhat sensitive about it, patients understand and they know, you know patients know when they're, you know, they, they put it together that, you know, being, being obese, being out of shape is-, is, is you know, one of the root causes of their back pain because it just makes sense. So, so let's get back. So that's for, for a later episode. I'm really looking forward to that, that, but I'm also really enjoying this interview. So Seth, let's talk some more about um, some of the common consults that you see. What, what would you say is the most common thing that you see? Something, one of the most common yeah. things that you, that you think would be useful to discuss? Well, I mean, again, I see obviously all day long, I'm seeing neck and back pain. Again, just especially in this area, the usual it's you know a patient has neck or back pain and and maybe they get some NSAIDs or or maybe you know and then they get an MRI and and the MRI sounds terrible and they you know and then they show up in my you know, in my office. How um, often is there degenerative disc disease on an MRI? Like just if you I don't know, just give me some statistic that you know of. Yeah, extremely, extremely common. I, I use the patient's age as the percentage. So if you're 50 years old, you know, if I took 100 healthy 50-year-olds with no back pain at all and did MRIs with them, probably 50% would have significant degenerative disc disease. If you're 80, that number is 80%. You know, so so that's sort of a rough. Uh, I think there are some there are some, some studies to show, but it, as a rough generalization, it's your age is the percentage of patients your age that would that would have. Uh, you know, findings on an MRI. So those findings could be used to explain pain that's there, but it's not predictive of pain. Yeah, it's a very good point. It's a very good question. And it honestly, you know, makes makes the job tough sometimes because, you know, it's very common to see herniated discs. It's very common to see degenerative discs, bulging discs. And it's it's not so easy. You know, in some cases, those are patients are in severe, you know, pain to the point where they need surgery for it. And in some cases, it's an incidental finding where, you know, it, it was there already. Um, and it's, you know, just a muscle spasm. So it, it can be a challenge to, and some people, for some reason, you know, feel it, you know, pain receptors are different or whatever, but some patients are more uh, sensitive to those, to those changes and some people are not. I think this was a, a very productive conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Is, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss today that you think we might have missed? Yeah, I mean, just in general, so just to expound a little bit more on that visit. So, you know, in general, if you're a, you know, 53-year-old man and you pulled your back out, you know, shoveling snow and you ended up with an MRI, more likely than not, to a layperson, even to another doctor, 
it's going to sound terrible. That's, you know, radiologists, you know, like to be thorough and they like to describe everything. And it's going to see things like spondylosis, disc herniation, impingement. Um, but really, you know, to tease out, you know, all that, really the thing, you know, when I, when I, you know, obviously I try to, I read all my films, I, I look at all the reports, I examine the patient, I try to make a, the most educated, you know, uh, decision as possible. But at a glance, when I look quickly at an MRI, what I'm looking for is things like stenosis um, and, and more central stenosis. Like if there's uh, pressure on the canal, on the, on the, in the middle of the canal where the, where the spine runs down, if, the, if that's being compressed, that can really be an issue if there's any kind of obviously a fracture or a tumor. That's that's a red flag for everyone. But stenosis or significant you know malalignment of the spine, the spondylolisthesis, um, where, 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 where bones are slipping on each other. You know, I look for conditions where the, where the nerve is compressed because all that other stuff is is very common and and usually not not really a problem. Certainly not in the in the short acute term. Well, great. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and talk to the audience. I think clearly Pilates and yoga now will have to find their way into my uh, regimen somehow. It's not just going to be uh, clean and jerk. And which is <laughs> especially if you're going to do clean and jerk, you got to do some yoga and Pilates in there as you get older. <laughs> well, you know, I can't touch my toes. That's a problem. I'm, uh, I'm almost, <laughs> it's going to start catching up with me. And clearly the Supermans need to find their way into my routine because myself and you know, I'm sure almost all doctors would, with the EMR, or even, you know, without the EMR, I dictate a lot of my notes, um, still hunched over my phone, hunched over my computer. Yeah. And you know what? We're surgeons hunched over our patients in the office and in the operating room. Yeah. Your, your whole, your whole life is spent in, 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 in flexion of your spine. So you definitely want to focus on extension and try to try to keep that strength and mobility. Very important. So all of us need to start doing the uh, the Superman before we go to bed. Maybe that's. I want to see worldwide. I want to see people doing Supermans. That, that, that would be my wish tonight. All physicians and every <laughs> everybody Superman five <laughs> ten minutes right. every night before bed. Uh, yeah, it'd be, I'd be out of I'd be out of a job. Or I'd be a lot less busy, probably. <laughs> So maybe I don't want people to do that. I don't have to think about it. There's that. a little, little conflict there. Okay. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks a lot, Seth. Again, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Find all previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and write us a review. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash physician's guide to doctoring. If you are interested in being a guest or have a question for a prior guest, send a message or post a comment.